the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertisers, staff, and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, I used to be a liberal, too. They use it to push a far-left political agenda in this country that is not only destroying our schools and damaging our kids, but is destroying and damaging our culture. Based on faulty premises. How did this happen? And I just think it's, again, it's a part of the decline of all things that were once rather sacred. But we ha- we are having our young people absolutely indoctrinated in both public education and higher education. Correct the record of what is truth and what is fiction. God's seed has a root structure that's incorruptible and you might not see green for many years. Yep, I used to be a liberal too. This is Mission America with Linda Harvey. Because with God, all things, all things, all things are still, still possible. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to Mission America Radio. I'm Linda Harvey, and I'm so very glad you've joined us this afternoon. Please visit our website at missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news, articles, and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to read my articles, of course, at our website, but also on WorldNetDailyWND.com, on LifeSiteNews.com, at Olive Tree Views, also at BarbWire.com, and elsewhere out on the web. And be sure to order my latest book in its second edition, and it's called Maybe He's Not Gay, Another View on Homosexuality. And you can learn more about all this at our website at missionamerica.com. So what is the homosexual and gender confusion agenda doing to the medical profession and and to healthcare and medical treatment in America? So in in case you haven't noticed, and I'm sure many of you have, we are now in the territory of basically mythology all of a sudden, where facts and health consequences no longer matter They're not all that important. So what in this environment happens to a highly qualified medical expert who tries to warn people? Well, our guest today is going to tell us what happened to him when he tried to do exactly that. Dr. Paul Church is a highly respected urologist who is on the faculty of Harvard Medical School, the author of research studies on prostate and bladder cancer, and on the staff of several major Boston area hospitals, but was kicked off the staffs of these hospitals several years back. What horrendous thing did Dr. Church do that uh, deserved this? Well, we will let him tell you all about what his experience uh, happened and what happened to him in all of this. Welcome, Dr. Church, to Mission America Radio. Uh, Well, Linda, thank you uh, for having me. It's a privilege and honor to be with you today. Well, it's a privilege and honor to talk with you after reading about your situation over the years. So 
I'm sure some of our listeners recognize your name and will have an information, the information and background about your situation. But fill us in. Tell us what happened to you, and we will just let you share that with our audience. Okay. Well, um, my story is now about four or five years old, but I think it's becoming more relevant again with uh, what's going on in the world, with especially the so-called Equality Act uh, mm-hmm. coming before Congress. Uh, in terms of censorship and uh, uh, point-of-view discrimination. Um, basically, five years ago, I was on the staff of three major Boston-based hospitals. Uh, I was a faculty member at the Harvard Medical School. These are unpaid uh, faculty appointments where I would do teaching and research and uh, clinical work. As you mentioned, I had done research on prostate and bladder cancer testing. Um, I had two practice sites that I was working out of. I had pretty much an unblemished uh, record. Um, I was often chosen by colleagues and department heads and trustees uh, and their family members to to be their urologist. and I had been a volunteer at, at um, short-term medical missions in Mexico and Africa over the years. But within 18 months, I, I had lost all my staff appointments and, and ability to operate at these hospitals. I also was rejected uh, from a new application at a traditionally Catholic hospital in the Boston area. I was dismissed from two, two of the two practice locations where I'd worked for uh, anywhere from 10 to 25 years. Wow. <laughs> uh, and I lost my Harvard Medical School appointment. I'd been subjected to two peer reviews uh, with uh, two different attorneys, um, uh, mounting up some significant legal fees. And I was also investigated by my board of registration for licensing twice. Um, and I basically ended up in, in a private practice office setting for the last two years of of my career. And and as you mentioned, what what was it that I did wrong? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it was it malpractice. Wait, wait, did you attempt to assassinate the president or something horrendous? Yeah, no. Hardly. I. I uh, was a spokesperson for healthcare professionals that were critical of hospital policies that uh, heavily endorsed the LGBT movement, uh, both within the hospital and, and outside of the hospital. Um, and uh, th- this ultimately offended people. So the worst thing you can do these days is, is offend people with your point of view. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, despite a lot of support from uh, uh, petitioners uh, from organizations like Mass Resistance and uh, faith-based organizations like the Catholic Medical Association and the Christian Medical and Dental Association, uh, I was basically expelled from, from these uh, positions wow. that I'd held for a number of years. Wow, that is just, you know, and, and we know this is coming and it is popping up all over the country in uh, both highly publicized and I think not so highly publicized ways where highly qualified people who have been enjoying a, a very successful career serving people um, are drummed out because there's a tyranny. It's, it's basically tyranny. Don't you, don't you agree? I, I do. And, and the latest one that I've heard about is Dr. Alan Josephson, a, um, 
a member of the faculty at um, University of Louisville Med- right. College. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and he was basically um, running an adolescent and child uh, psychiatry program, but did not uh, uh, comply with the orthodoxy that uh, that these gender-confused children need to be transitioned mm-hmm. uh, with hormones and surgery, and made statements out, outside of his capacity as as the chairman of this program, and he was basically demoted, and then his position was not renewed. So he's he's actually suing the, the medical school uh, wow. for uh, for that, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully will be somewhat successful. But in my case. Um, because hospitals are private institutions and not, you know, actually public foundations, mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult to sue for um, wrongful termination, as I found out over a course of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Um, so we're talking. In case you're just joining us, we're talking with Dr. Paul Church from the Boston area, who um, was uh, dismissed from his position af- after being on the Harvard Medical School faculty and a highly respected urologist because he criticized and and exposed some of the risks of homosexuality and gender confusion. I I assume you did on the gender confusion issue um, as well as homosexuality. As a urologist, you saw a lot of the consequences of, of homosexual practice, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I did. This, this actually goes back almost 20 years and and it involves both the personal and a professional uh, knowledge. I think of the the risks involved um, on, a, on a personal level. In 1988, I uh, operated on a, a patient that I didn't know very well. It was actually one of my partner's patients, and he was called away, and he asked me to to do the surgery. Um, and I sustained what's called a needle puncture injury during the mm-hmm. surgery. It, it's not common, but uh, nurses and doctors can can injure themselves with the sharp needles that, or devices that we use during mm-hmm. surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, traditionally, it involves some risk of hepatitis, but this was right around the time of uh, the HIV um, epidemic. And... Uh, I asked this guy whether he'd be tested for HIV, and he said, oh, he didn't need to be. He was HIV positive. Oh. And my my, wow. my wife just sort of went on hold for a while as I uh, went through this testing myself to see if I'd possibly been, been infected. Uh, but then uh, professionally, I was seeing any of a number of cases in my practice and, and among my colleagues where they were dis- suffering from the destructive effects of, of HIV and AIDS. And this was before the advent of uh, effective antiviral agents. So, I mean, it was really almost a death sentence. Yes. And uh, I, around that time, I, I, I realized that the hospital system I was working in was actually promoting the, the, these LGBT activities. And it just was so contrary to what I thought the, the basic mission of a hospital should be to promote healthy uh, lifestyles that I, I couldn't help but uh, get involved. And speak out. Um, I, on our website, if people are interested, I have a number of articles about reports from the CDC on HIV and, and AIDS surveillance statistics, and I've examined these over the years and, and kept up with it. And what's really amazing 
to me, and I'd love your comments on this, is that um, there's roughly around 38, 40,000 new HIV infections a year in this country, and two-thirds to three-fourths of them continue to be from male-to-male sex. And this is not headlines anymore. This is sort of a big yawn, I think, because of the PrEP, um, these uh, Truvada, these uh, antiretroviral drugs that people have this complacency that we can always always treat this, but then, of course, many don't. There's still people dying of AIDS. What is your uh, response to this? I mean, this is overwhelming, and the CDC continues to report this, and yet they just manage uh, with these phony, I think they're phony, educational activities around the country that enable this kind of sexual practice to continue. What are your thoughts? Well, you're right on. Uh, the, the CDC does keep these statistics. They're usually two or three years behind because of the the time and effort it takes to compile the statistics. But they consistently show that that men who have sex with men represent this high-risk group for new diagnoses of of HIV. And even though HIV is now somewhat of a chronic disease, it's still very serious. Um, And uh, worldwide, there's there's still many, you know, thousands, maybe a million people that, that are dying from HIV and AIDS. So, so to downplay it as though it, it's some, you know, non-existent problem, it, it's very disappointing. And, and I think, you know, high-risk behaviors tend to, to be clustered. So we have uh, people that are involved with uh, un- unsafe sexual practices that also are engaging in, in other, right. you know, risky uh, behaviors. Right. And, and the young people in particular are the ones that are most prone to, to get involved with this. They, they keep, uh, CDC keeps records for age groups, and one age group is 13 to 24. So mm-hmm. this includes people that are too young for consent. Exactly. Um, that are mm-hmm. actually involved with sexual tra- you know, transmission of HIV uh, who are minors. Right. And, um, you know, they present this very matter-of-fact, but um, that could be a, a felony, essentially, in some states. Um, and this is a group that has a relatively high incidence of, of the uh, transmission of HIV. Right. And also minorities, um, um, African Americans and Hispanics seem to be more prone to to get involved with some of these high risk behaviors. Yes, we only have about a couple of minutes left. I just wanted to um, to just double check what you thought about the issue of the fact that there is okay, it is still a chronic disease and very serious. And every year, there's twenty five to thirty thousand new HIV infections from male to male sex that did not need to happen, and yet these people are not, they're out in our culture, and they are not exactly most of the time sitting at home knitting. So, I mean, we only have about a minute, so tell me what you think. Well, that's right. Um, uh, I think about half of them don't even know that they're infected, so mm-hmm. they're, they're a pool of high-risk uh, people that can transmit the disease to partners, um, and they're they're not taking care of themselves. They're not heeding the messages about right. abstinence or safe sex. Right, right, right. Definitely not. We are talking with a highly qualified medical expert 
who has been treated very poorly because of so-called tolerance by the LGBT um, folks. Dr. Paul Church is a highly respected urologist in the Boston area, and he was drummed out of hospital uh, on, on having hospital staff privileges and uh, because he told the truth, because he told the truth about homosexuality and HIV. We are here on Mission America Radio. We will be right back after these messages. This is Linda Harvey. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Today's program is pre-recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. And we're talking today about tolerance and the respect that the LGBT so-called movement uh, demands from everyone else, but they don't seem to give it elsewhere. And in fact, people are losing prestigious jobs, people who have done absolutely nothing to deserve it, and in fact, are highly qualified and expert professionals. Uh, Dr. Paul Church, for a few years back, lost his privileges on in Boston area hospitals, uh, even though he was a highly qualified, respected urologist, had done research on bladder and prostate cancer, was on the faculty of Harvard Medical School, and uh, but he spoke out about the hospitals, one hospital, several hospitals, promotion and support of the LGBT agenda. And uh, as a urologist, he should know about the impact uh, on uh, people's lifestyles and so on. So we're talking with Dr. Church, and we are so grateful to have him on our program. So Dr. Church, tell us what you think about, we talked in the last segment about um, HIV and AIDS and about the the experience you had about being, um, uh, you know, basically uh, intoler- the intolerant treatment you had. Uh, experienced in your profession. So tell us what you think is the likelihood that homosexuality is an inborn trait. Um, it's, it's not likely. Um, there's no evidence of, of a gay gene, so to speak. And, and in fact, the, the latest strategy of LGBT activists is to acknowledge that there's uh, sexual fluidity, meaning you can switch around between different sexual orientation. So that, that's a contradictory argument to the idea that, that uh, uh, homosexuality in particular is somehow a, a genetic uh, trait. Um, yeah, there, you know, there are, are genes that control our, our physical and probably psychological reactions to, to different situations. But, uh, I mean, someone can can be born with genes that, that make them destined to be seven feet, uh, six inches tall, and they would be a very good basketball player. But on the other hand, it, it involves a whole lot of options and, and choices made along the way to do that. Right. So there, there really is no uh, good evidence to support there being a genetic or in, inborn you know, type of of um, explanation for homosexuality. Right. And and as far as I can tell, um, in looking at a lot of studies and also the testimonies of former homosexuals, an awful lot of it, I think, comes from child sexual abuse or molestation. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I've read those same studies and reports, and I think that makes perfect sense that, you know, people in their formative ages have... Um, 
psychological traumas, physical traumas that right. affect their outlook on sexuality the rest of their lives. Right. I, I think that that makes perfect sense. What do you think about now? This is the latest thing is and how this has galloped along in a f- few short years is the embrace for gender confusion to be va- uh, validated even among small children. And what's uh, often said is that people feel they were born in the wrong sex body, but there's nothing to back this up that I can see. What is your thought about that? Yeah, it's very disappointing that the medical institutions have, have jumped on the bandwagon with this because it, it really is a delusional mental disorder uh, that down, now they're giving a type of physical uh, dimension to. Um, and it, it just is inexcusable because it's a, a dangerous social experiment that we're, we're now involved with uh, that'll be difficult to reverse. And, and thousands of young people and children are, are at risk for uh, being part of this, this delusion. And it's like um, an anorexic being told that the best treatment for them is liposuction. I mean, right. to go along with uh, with the delusion, with a physical treatment, is just insane. It is, and with with small children, and it's um, you know, I know of people now who are detransitioning in their early twenties, kids that were talked into these uh, horrendous treatments, and their lives, their bodies are a complete wreck. They're a complete wreck, and they they know that, and they now see the problem. Um, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned the Equality Act. Tell us what you what you think about that. And and uh, you know, I'm hoping that our president would never sign it, that it doesn't get through the Senate. But what what do you think? Yeah, it's it's a real um, threat to religious freedom. uh, For instance, in terms of, of now creating protected classes based on behaviors, uh, not based on ethnicity, not based on, on race, but behaviors. And because protected classes have uh, a certain status, it makes it difficult to, um, to criticize them or even to discriminate in a sense using judgment. Let's say um, you know, uh, one of these uh, people with uh, gender dysphoria wants to uh, have surgery for uh, uh, removal of a uterus. So a gynecologist would, uh, who does uterine surgery would be obliged to comply right. with this request. Right. Uh, even though they might have moral or religious you know, convictions, not not to mention the medical ones of removing a normal organ, uh, and they would be at risk for um, breaking um, any discrimination laws. Right, and and the surgeries are getting younger and younger. I I know there are in California they have both had um, uh, girls who are thirteen with double mastectomies, and I believe mm-hmm. that castration has also happened in the early teens uh, on some boys. I think that's also in California. It's so sad because you're probably irreversibly infertile uh, after making the wrong decisions. Um, So they've sacrificed their ability to have children going forward. So um, we have about 30 seconds. What is your uh, prospect of going forward now? You You see patients and you have a clinical practice, right? 
Well, actually, I, I retired. Okay. Um, I'm of, of age to retire. My wife's disabled, and I need, need to be pretty much a full-time attendant mm-hmm. to her needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I continue to be active as an advocate for pro-life um, and pro-healthy moral choices. So right. Wonderful. Wherever I can jump in... And, and do that as a, as a medical expert, especially, yeah. I'm, I'm welcoming those opportunities. Wow, you are so um, such a uh, great addition to our movement. I praise God for you. I ask my audience to pray for you, and I thank you so much uh, for your information today, and we will definitely have you back on the program if you're willing. Well, very willing. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Folks, please pray for Dr. Church and all folks like him who are being told they can't tell the truth. We need to tell the truth. And just remember, friends, just remember, with God, all things, all things are still possible. I hope you have a great day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.